Hello and welcome. It's Eric Erickson here, the second hour of the program. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If you would like to be a part of this here program, since we're back and fully operational after the first year, and by the way, I hope you all had a happy new year. Why don't we start off with some phone calls? Because I was gone for a few weeks. I miss talking to you people. And you should know in a programming note, at some point in the next hour, like it or not, the president of the United States is going to be talking and I will carry, it's supposed to be short. So I will at least, we ought to hear what the president says. If we want to laugh at him, we should at least hear him. But right now, let me go to Pam, who's been waiting patiently. Pam, welcome. Hello. Hi there. Hi. What's going on? So I just was um, wondering if you knew whether or not it's true that the reason the pharma people want our young children vaccinated is because they have to have that data in order to get liability insurance for the vaccine and for them to cover reactions to the vaccine after it leaves um, the emergency use authorization. Uh, no. Um, and I know that's not true because there is a, it's, there's a federal fund that is set aside, uh, for anyone who has a problem with a vaccine. Uh, when a vaccine is produced by a pharmaceutical company in this country, uh, the federal government takes on the liability, not the, not the pharmaceutical company. Uh, and this was in large part because in some of the early vaccinations in this country, uh, when they began mandating the MMR vaccine and stuff, there are kids who do have reactions. Now, uh, I want to say that in the last 10 years, in, I, and I'm talking the last 10 American years, uh, if I remember right, it's like 1,049 kids in a decade had problems with the uh, with the with the vaccine for the MMR, and the federal government pays money for these things, uh, not the not the not the pharmaceutical companies. And in large part, the reason they do it that way is because uh, they don't want, for liability purposes and insurance purposes, for the pharmaceutical companies in this country, it would be very very hard to figure out uh, what their liability should be. So they don't do that. Uh, now, I realize this is circulating online. Um, I, I do very much understand that this is this is where we are. Um, I but I it's it's simply not true. There's so much urban legend stuff out there with relating to the vaccine. It's becoming increasingly difficult to even process what is and is not true. And I, I know it becomes very, very hard for people. And what people do is they fall back on their presuppositions and their confirmation bias. So like, for example, Robert Malone is was on with Joe Rogan. And the number of people that I know who listen to Joe Rogan, it's extraordinary. And they take Dr. Malone at face value. They don't even question it, which is kind of bizarre to me. They question every single person, but not this. Uh, and what it really is, is instead of questioning everything, you question everything you don't believe, and you don't question the stuff you believe. So Malone comes out, uh, and Malone was one of the contributing inventors of mRNA. Now, here's the thing. Malone hasn't actually said this. He dances around it, but he's allowed other people to say it, that he invented the mRNA vaccine. That's not actually true. Uh, anyone who knows anything about science and the development of these sorts of technologies knows there's never one inventor. 
It's like saying Albert Einstein invented the GPS satellite. Albert Einstein came up with the theory of relativity, which is necessary to program GPS satellites. You all know GPS satellites are so high and they move so fast that uh, time slows down for them. So you've got to actually run a, an algorithmic calculation on a GPS satellite to keep them in sync with the time here down on the ground because based on the theory of relativity, they're not going to be uh, at the same time. They'll speed up so that they run an algorithm that keeps them in check. Now, uh, but Albert Einstein didn't invent the GPS satellite. He invented a formula that is used to invent satellite. Same way Robert Malone did not invent the mRNA vaccine. He invented a piece of technology, biological technology, that was then used in the development. He should get the Nobel Prize. Robert Malone should be awarded the Nobel Prize, along with about a dozen other people, for coming up with the mRNA uh, protocols to get to the vaccine. He should. But Robert Malone was cut out of the profit. Now, if I were him, I would probably want to financially screw the people who financially screwed me. And so I would move heaven and earth to discredit my baby uh, because I'm not getting any profit from it. Now, that's just me. That That's, that's my presupposition on, on that, that when you believe some other people are profiting from your invention and they cut you out of it, you want to get revenge. But... People are just taking him at face. People who already were skeptical are taking him at face value, and they're being skeptical of everyone else. Why? It's all confirmation bias. Question everybody. Question everything. You should have multiple sources across the board who disagree with each other and synthesize what's actually going on. But nobody wants to do that anymore. It takes too much time. Let's just go straight to what I already believe. All right. I was not planning on spending a lot of time on that, but what the heck? All right, D, you're going to be next. Welcome to the program. Hello. I'm so glad that you are in the. The Rush Limbaugh spot. I'm proud of WSB. Thank you very much. Um, I just wanted to say that I'm disappointed in Trump. I've gotten off the Trump train. I think he's made a terrible mistake with Georgia. He's like a petulant, bad-tempered child. And he has handed Stacey Abrams the governorship and probably the presidency. So I'm just really disappointed. But I do love Albert Einstein. <laughs> well, look, you know what? Here, here's the thing. <laughs> Um, I think uh, my speculation here is that some people may be able to get him to back down on this. I, I hope um, that, that genuinely my hope is that at some point uh, we will get to someone out there saying, you know what, Mr. President, maybe just maybe uh, calm down and maybe just maybe we'll I sure hope that's the case uh, because I don't know who the person is that he would listen to. Yeah, I don't know. And, and, you know, the irony here is that I was told David Perdue is one of the people who got him to try to calm down on, and leave Brian Kemp alone. But um, I, it, it, it's unfortunate. So then why didn't Perdue just say no? Yeah, well, he should have. Um, but, you know, so a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine who is probably listening right now, she told me uh, that the reality works differently the more you hang out at Mar-a-Lago. And I think that's probably true. I've got several friends of mine. Probably who, because time goes faster there. Yeah, you know what? It could faster. be. It's the theory of relativity. D, how about that? Thank you for that. I appreciate the phone call. Uh, but yeah, so this friend of mine was telling me that you, you hang out at Mar-a-Lago and the world just operates differently down there. It's it's the most fascinating thing, she says. Um, so nonetheless, uh, yeah, I, I, I do get that frustration. Um, I'm, I'm still not sure. I think 2024 depends on 2022 for him. If he scores a big win in 2022, takes out Liz Cheney, Brian Kemp and Raffensperger and some others, then maybe he runs in 2024, but I, I don't know that he will. Nonetheless, the phone number here is 
973-7425. Now I, I will get to having having dispatched the phone calls. Look, I've been around with you guys in two and a half weeks. It's nice to chat with you, but I want to make a point here. If you subscribe to my Substack, and you should, you can text data to 33777 and you can subscribe. You can get a lot of free content out of it. But you would see what I wrote this morning. And I feel more and more strongly about this. So over the holiday season, I happened to be on Twitter when the when that guy did the Let's Go Brandon stuff to the president. And I said, you know, I find it very funny, but I, I just I don't think it's appropriate. It's bad manners. All the president wanted to do was wish you a Merry Christmas. All you had to do was, was wish him a Merry Christmas, be done with it. You don't have to like the guy, but, you know, if the president of the United States is talking to you on the phone, it's pretty freaking cool. I don't care who the president is. How often do you guys talk to the president of the United States? So it was bad manners, and we can be a little more civil. It is the Christmas season. It was just a Merry Christmas phone call. And a number of younger 20, 30-something conservatives were like, ah, screw civility. We're at war. War. I'm sure they were tweeting from the comfort of their couch, not in the trenches. A lot of people perceive we are at war in this country. They perceive it from their couches watching TV. We as a nation have lost the plot. You know, the story has a happy ending. doesn't seem like it right now. In fact, you know, the, the, the predominant television shows across networks and streaming services are all nihilistic shows. Game of Thrones very famously killed off anyone you cared about and then in the final episode of the final season killed off your ability to care about the show by having a terrible series finale. It's awful that last, my gosh, that last half of that season series finale. Um, and then you got Succession now, which I actually love the show, um, Profanity Warnings, my gosh, the language, but it's a great show. But it is about a terrible family of billionaires who you root against every single one of them and their lives are miserable. And the key to understanding the show is that they get exactly what they want and they're even more miserable. And then there's some show, I can't remember, some like Resort Island show on Netflix, I think it is, and I can't remember the name of it. But essentially, all of the people on the show are terrible people. And there are a series of shows out there now where you want to root against everyone. Everyone is terrible. And everybody's miserable. And it's reflected in the pure, uh, the fear porn over COVID uh, from the New York Times and the like on everything is a disaster. Everything is terrible. We're all going to die. And the January 6th coverage in the media, Republicans are terrible and somebody's going to be held to account and, and you're excusing it unless you own it, grab hold of it, stare it in the eyes and condemn it fully. And then all the antiheroes. You got all, you know, Deadpool. I love the Deadpool movie series with Ryan Reynolds, but Deadpool, he's supposed to be a bad guy and then he became an antihero. All the bad guys are now antiheroes. I'm sure they will rehabilitate Thanos here soon, and, and we'll have the Avengers from his perspective, and it'll be totally reasonable. Or Disney with Maleficent. You know, she's actually, just understand the witch who put Aurora to sleep in Sleeping Beauty. We've lost hold of the plot. Everyone's so focused on the political narrative, we've lost the life narrative. You know, I, I've read to the end of the book, I know how the story ends, and it has a happy ending. There's a pale horse, a man with a sword on a horse, Johnny Cash singing backup music, the apocalypse, and then eternity. This man comes to town. 
the king returns, gathers his people, takes them home, leaves everything else to burn. If you're on the winning team, why are you so angry? There seems to be a level of despondency in society, in and out of the church, by the way. In church, out of church, in society in general, people are just mad at everything and everyone. Everyone is fretful. We all think we're going to die at any moment. There's a level of despair and despondency. The number one cause of death in this country, it seems to be fentanyl these days. There's a story of the, the extraordinary amount of people who've overdosed on fentanyl. The number of people who've taken to drugs, the number of suicides are up. The number of people in uh, depressed, be diagnosed with depression. People have lost the plot. And it's a very interesting story, actually. It's a story of triumph. It's a story of success, but it's also the story of people trying to do it themselves and continually screwing it up, which is where we seem to be in the story at this moment. People doing it themselves and screwing it up. But I just, you know, Sean Hannity has said in the past, Don't, let not your heart be troubled. It's actually a, a quote from scripture. And I, y'all, I've read the end of the book. There's a happy ending here. So I cannot understand why so many people are so incredibly angry about everything and scared all the time about everything in life right now. Live reasonably, live responsibly, but don't live fearfully. And so many people now on the left and the right are just angry with each other. Don't love your neighbor. My gosh, you might have to have a relationship with them and find out they're a Democrat. Can't do that. Can't have a relationship with anyone you disagree with. You, you can't find common ground with people. It's all the time combat. We have traded religion for politics, and we're developing religious orthodoxy around our partisan hot takes, and it's not doing us any good. The meek inherit the earth, not the people who tweet the best. So maybe, just maybe, as we start in heading into this year, we should remember there actually is a plot to the story we're all in. The book actually does come to an end and then eternity. And the ending has a happy ending for a whole lot of people. Some, not so much. But for a lot of us, yes, a happy ending. We should remember that and probably make that our focus instead of fretting about COVID and elections and everything else. For several years when I practiced law, I volunteered for the Alliance Defending Freedom to be an on-call lawyer for them. It's one of the few legal nonprofits in the country that really racks up wins, both state courts and federal courts for conservatives and Christians. People have a Christian conservative worldview. Since leaving my law practice, I volunteered in the past to speak at ADF events. I've been to their training sessions where they teach lawyers and pundits how to talk plainly about complex legal issues and understand the state of play on cases around the country from local city councils all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now I'm glad to have ADF as an advertiser, but honestly, I'd be encouraging you to support them this time of year anyway. The Alliance Defending Freedom takes donations from you and uses them to help those who can't afford lawyers hire the very best lawyers to fight for freedom from the Supreme Court of the land all the way down to the local level. Right now, ADF has received a matching grant, so all new donors will have their gifts matched. All you have to do is go to adflegal.org slash Erickson today and donate. adflegal.org slash Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Bobby Rush is a name you may not know. It's He's an important name to know today. Bobby Rush uh, is a member of Congress from Chicago in the year 2000. A young guy named Barack Obama, you might have heard of him, ran against Bobby Rush for Congress. And he lost. Lost to Bobby. Bobby has been in Congress ever 
since. And, well, he's retiring. Now, listen, uh, his district is not a district where you can say, oh, oh, Republicans are going to take it over. No, the Republicans, they're not going to take it over. But it also signals, probably more likely than not, that Bobby Rush knows the Democrats' days of controlling the House of Representatives are at an end. And it's not just that. There's another data point out there as well. There's a massive amount of staff turnover happening in Nancy Pelosi's office right now. There's a there's a, a massive number of uh, people leaving Nancy Pelosi's office. They've given up. They're going to find new jobs. It's an indicator Nancy Pelosi herself is not going to run for re-election. Now, she won't say so right now. She won't say so. But that's really the only logical way to understand what's happening. It, it, it really is the only way. And the reason is because, well your staff doesn't want to leave the Speaker of the House's office. The Speaker of the House is more powerful than the Vice President of the United States and sometimes, particularly in a lot of domestic policy, more powerful than the President of the United States himself. You don't flee the Speaker's office unless you know the Speaker is not going to stick around. And it appears more and more the Speaker of the House is not going to stick around, and that is why the Speaker of the House is fleeing. Uh, I just, I, I, I actually am, am fascinated by this. I'm fascinated in large part because uh, Nancy Pelosi leaving the House shakes up the Democratic uh, establishment dynamic. The fact that Bobby Rush is leaving does the same thing. It'll be a progressive Democrat who takes his seat, uh, but it's a big signal he doesn't expect to get anything outside of leadership. But with Pelosi, think about it. Uh, who is the number two Democrat in the House of Representatives? Steny Hoyer from Maryland. You know, she and he have been political rivals for years, and their fathers before them were political rivals. Hoyer is in his 80s. Who's the number three Democrat in the House of Representatives? That would be... Um, Oh, what's Jim Clyburn from South Carolina in his 80s? So you've got Pelosi, Hoyer, and Clyburn all in their 80s. Pelosi is leaving. So you got two 80-year-old men, men in a party where the most vocal members are the squad and they're all young. But the problem here is that predominantly, overwhelmingly, the Democrats in charge in the House are all in their 80s. Do you know the Republican counterparts on all the committees, the, the ranking Republicans? In almost every single committee in the House of Representatives, the Republican is younger than the Democrat. And the Republicans are all in their 50s and 60s. It's the most profound, unnoticed thing. It's a big deal. So you've got young progressives who want new blood in the House of Representatives. But you've got a lot of people in the House who have been waiting their turn for Hoyer and uh, Clyburn and Pelosi to move on and do those old people who refuse to leave or do you really think they're going to let the young guns push them out, particularly when they go into the minority and there are less of them? I, this is going to be a feud that breaks out into the open and I cannot wait to watch this happen.
It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you'd like to be a part of this year's program, is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Glad to have you. It's nice to be back. It's nice to be with you guys from vacation, and I hope that you guys had a great vacation wherever you were, that you were safe, that you got what you wanted from Santa Claus. Sure would be nice. All right. We got to move on to other stuff because there's a lot more to talk about here. Keep in mind, the president is going to be showing up here sometime after two o'clock. And in that regard, I got to play you a couple of clips. This is from Brian Sullivan on CNBC. Do you think we're going to burn through inflation or do you think inflation is going to be here for a while? Wow. By the way, a lot there. And if your head's not spinning, everybody, you're not paying attention. Joe and Mika, Happy New Year. Okay, a lot there. Let's unpack it. All right, ready? Um, Okay, yeah. Is it? Here we go. Inflation, it's going to be around for a while, Joe. And I'll tell you why. Food prices are the problem. I know we don't talk a lot about fertilizer prices. I've been accused of slinging BS many times. But this is actual fertilizer. Fertilizer costs have tripled. That's going to impact the food supply chain this year. In other words, food prices are going to go like this. Car prices are high. Home prices are high. Lumber prices are high. So all the stuff that we use to make other stuff is up. So it's unlikely we're going to see a reduction of inflation anytime soon. Now, you got that. That was Brian Sullivan from CNBC. He was on with Morning Joe on MSNBC. And now there's this from Joe Biden yesterday. Before we begin, I want to say a word uh, about where our economy stands today. We're entering 2022 in a position of a unique economic strength. Unique economic strength. Economic strength, as he says. Unique economic strength. That's what he said. And then he decided to go after the big meat companies. Now listen to this. We're here to talk about strengthening competition, which will bring down cost. Back in July... I signed an executive order to promote competition across the economy. In too many industries, a handful of giant companies dominate the market. And too often, they use their power to squeeze out smaller competitors and stifle new entrepreneurs, making our economy less dynamic, giving themselves free reign to raise prices, reduce options for consumers, or exploit workers. The meat industry is a textbook example on the price side. Four big corporations control more than half the markets in beef, pork, and poultry. These middlemen that they buy from, farmers and ranchers, and sell the processors, excuse me, and sell the process, excuse me, sell the processed product to grocery stores. That's That's the way it works. Without meaningful competition, farmers and ranchers don't get to choose who they sell to. Or put another way, our farmers and ranchers have to pay whatever these four big companies say they have to pay, by and large. But that's only half of it. These companies can use their position as middlemen to overcharge grocery stores and ultimately families. Now, listen, some of what he's saying, there's some validity to it. The farmers, the ranchers, they're not making a ton of money right now. The farmers and ranchers have not seen their profit go up. If anything, their profit's gone down. And that's that's a problem. It is. And we should be willing to acknowledge it's a problem. But while the president is right, there are essentially four major companies out there that 
control the beef supply in this country. They've had costs go up. Yeah, they're not a monopoly, but they're an oligopoly. They've had car they've had their costs go up. Their fuel costs have gone up. Grain and feed costs have gone up. Employment costs have gone up. There have been shutdowns as well. Uh, because of the um, because of COVID and illness and the like, I th- th- these are not made up things; they're real and legitimate things here, and people don't really seem to appreciate that they're real and that they're problematic, and that it's not just some sort of grand government conspiracy to steal everything. It's just, it, it, it simply, it's not. Uh, there are so many people out there who believe you know, on the left that they're just raising prices for the heck of it, that they're just raising prices because they can get away with it. And that's not really true. They're not making a mint off of you. Now, have their profits gone up? Yeah, to some degree, their profits have gone up. And they're using that information on the left to say, aha, see, they're bleeding you dry. Not really. No, what's actually happened is they have raised costs to cover their costs. In the process, they've been able to make a profit, often through accounting. The Democrats don't want to talk about that aspect of it. The complications of the tax code, the complications of accounting dynamics and accounting gimmicks, and everything else that goes into making a profit, and also, why is a profit bad? The real downside here is at either end of the calculation. On one side, you have the farmers and the ranchers who really aren't making a lot of money even as their costs go up. On the other side are the consumers who are paying a great deal more. What Joe Biden is trying to do is ignore the government policies that have caused the problems and blame the blame the, the uh, big companies that are in charge of processing. He's trying to find a private sector bad guy and have you be convinced that the government will take care of you. Now, there's a fatal flaw with this. You might know what it is. There's a fatal flaw. The beef processing companies, they're not good people. They're not. They're easy to blame. And in fact, there's some... Their profits have gone up. Now, I've told you why, but yeah, they've raised some prices as well. They could cut back if they wanted to, but why should they have to? They don't. There's a problem here. If you just focus on beef, you get the bad guys. You get the four big bads. The problem is everybody's else having the problem too. All the other major companies out there, they're having the same problem. Costs are going up. Inflation's going up. It's not just a, a beef world problem here. It's gas prices have gone up. Toilet paper has gone up. Grocery prices have gone up. Vegetable prices have gone up. Canned good prices have gone up. Toy prices have gone up. Clothing prices have gone up. If it was just the beef industry, well, we can go after those four bad guys, but it's not just them. You know, gas prices have gone down some, but that hasn't solved all the problem. For the longest time, 
the Biden administration was telling us, well, really, it's just gas. Gas is the problem because gas prices have gone up. All the other prices have gone up because transportation costs, fuel costs, and the like. But it's not just them. It's a whole lot of people in a whole lot of places experiencing a whole lot of economic pain. And Biden can't really target and make any one group the bad guy. But because beef prices have gone up so much so quickly, they think they can make the beef guys the bad guys. And they got to be very, very careful trying to do that. But they are going to try to do that. Now, let's go to the phones here. Uh, Randy, uh, I hadn't talked about the story, Randy, but I got it in my stack. So I'm glad you called about it. Okay, here is a, this is my uh, climate change question for the day. To get you started on that. I wonder how many of those cars stuck up in Virginia on I-95 were electric cars. Yeah. And, you know, the electric cars, (laughs) they're the ones who are going to run out of power the quickest because in cold weather, uh, Tesla batteries batteries, discharge quickly. Now, for those who don't know what Randy is talking about here, if you haven't heard this story, in Virginia right now, there is a massive pile of cars that have been sitting on the interstate for 18 hours. Those of us here in, in the metro Atlanta area, we went through this a number of years ago. My gosh, I was on the radio for 14 straight hours back then, uh, just trying to get people off the road. Uh, a snowstorm came in very quickly in the afternoon, evening hours, uh, froze everything over. They didn't treat the roads, and people were stuck all night long on the interstate, couldn't get home. Well, on Virginia and I-95, now the difference here in Atlanta is it was it was across the board everywhere. In Virginia, it is around the I-95 corridor. A rainstorm came through. They couldn't put salt on the roads because the, it was raining so bad, and the rain rapidly converted to ice and snow. So the roads were untreated, converted to ice and snow. People were on their commute. Some of them have been there since yesterday. In fact, Tim Kaine, the senator from Virginia, has been stuck on I-95 since yesterday. Having to get out of his car and pee on the side of the road. If you got a Tesla up there, got a battery-powered car, uh, and your battery drains to zero, you are out of luck. Your gas-powered car as well is going to be problematic. Uh, trying to run for 18 hours. And the governor of Virginia, now this is this is one of the funny parts here. This is This is just actually too funny to think about. Ralph Northam, still governor of Virginia. Ralph Northam, even though Glenn Youngkin's won, they hadn't rolled over yet, or they're just about to. But every year that Ralph Northam has been governor of Virginia, gun rights activists have held a rally at the state legislature. And every year they've come, Ralph Northam has declared a state of emergency. It's always been a peaceful rally. It's always been peaceful, always good people, but Ralph Northam has called a state of emergency every time. People have been stuck in their cars on I-95 in Virginia for 18 hours. The governor has not only not called out the National Guard, he hasn't declared a state of emergency. Why? He does it for gun rights groups. Why not for this? Now, I realize he's leaving office. He doesn't care. And the Washington Post will wait for Glenn Youngkin to become governor, and they'll blame him for it. But it really is a damning indictment 
on the outgoing governor of Virginia uh, that we're in the situation. To be fair, it's not all his fault. The roads iced over very unexpectedly, and it had been raining so hard they couldn't treat the roads even when they got an indication that snow and ice could be coming. There was too much rain. It would have all washed the salt off the roads, but he hadn't called out the National Guard. Uh, you got a couple of jackknife tractor trailers on I-95. It's backed everybody up. Everybody's miserable. People can't get home. Uh, so uh, longtime friends of mine were out yesterday helping people get off the road, and it's just it's people helping people, which I guess to some degree is the way you want it to be, people helping people. But it's deeply problematic that they're in this situation, and uh, gas is running out of cars. And for those in Teslas, you know, cold and Teslas don't mix. And when your battery gets to zero in a Tesla, it can brick your car and you got all sorts of problems. So God help them. God help Virginia. They need Glenn Youngkin. All right. Uh, back to the phones, Greg, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. Merry Christmas. Happy new year. Merry Christmas to you. The light, the lights are still on. The tree's still lit. Absolutely. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, and especially for Biden administration because they're in charge. But the last time we had food inflation of this nature, it led to the Arab Spring. It leads to uh, starvation, which is the real word for food insecurity. And it hits some of these emerging economies, and it leads to revolution and overthrow of the government. And Biden doesn't have a good record dealing with foreign policy related to government overthrow. Yeah, it, it's yeah that's bad. the truth. It's, it, it's, if, if, if food inflation is this bad, if, if fertilizers are that bad, uh, places in the Middle East and other places are not going to be able to feed their people. It's going to get very ugly. Yeah, it, listen, it, it's, it is not a good setup uh, at all for these situations. It, it's just, it's not. Um, it's unfortunate that we're in the situation and you're right. It could lead to very bad things, uh, in this country and around the world, because it's not just us. We're not the only people out there having this problem right now, but interestingly enough, we're having it worse than a lot of other places. Uh, the Europeans are not experiencing the inflation we're experiencing. They're experiencing inflation, just not the rate we are. And yeah, this doesn't lead very well to anything right now. I'll tell you where it's going to lead the destruction of the democratic party in the ballot box, unless they can get a handle on it. Folks, uh, you can get a handle on the odors in your house with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Right now, you can get a three-pack, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm three-pack. Uh, what you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com and you click on my name, Eric Erickson, and you will see the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It is a small handheld air purifier. It cleans the air. It doesn't mask odors. It eliminates odors, and it doesn't have the filter. It's filterless, so you don't. You're not on the hook for a continual subscription to filters. So you get the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You get a three-pack. You save $200. You get all three less than $200, and you get free shipping. What you do, go to EdenPureDeals.com, click on Eric Erickson, put them in your cart at checkout. You'll see a discount code. In the box, you put Eric3, E-R-I-C-K-3. Put that in, and you'll get $200 off. You'll save $200. You'll get them for less than $200, and you get free shipping, and you get three of them, one for downstairs, one for upstairs, one for your car or your basement, wherever you need it. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it just works. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. Should you like to be a part of the program, the number is 877-97-ERIC. 877-973-7425. Let's go to Pinehurst, North Carolina. Ron, you're going to be next. Welcome. Uh, hey, Eric. How you doing? Um, Good. Again, I don't know anything about uh, uh, 
about beef, but here in uh, North Carolina, a lot of, you know, a lot of pork and, and chickens. And the way the business works here is whether it's Mount Air, Purdue, Smithfield, whatever, they own those animals, and the farmer is paid to, you know, whether he has a sow farm to where he breeds breed them or a topping house where he tops them out to a certain weight. He does not own those hogs. He is paid to to raise those hogs and move them through. So he's not sell, selling any meat. I mean, it is commercialized. So, I mean, right. the president really doesn't understand what he's talking about, or he did not translate it in a way where there's, there's not an open market, market in, in, anymore in poultry or, or, or pork. Yeah, and you know, yeah, that that's it, there isn't, uh, and I'm glad you said that as well because, like for example, I, I've got uh, family members through my wife's family who do raise chickens, and it is uh, completely done uh, for. I think they're, they're with uh, Tyson or Purdue one, and I mean, it, it is just it's it's a, an operation through that company. Now there are in beef markets independent beef ranchers. Uh, but then they have a limited number of people through whom and with whom they can work and sell stuff to. And that does, of course, these monopolies or oligopolies raise prices, but not to the extent the president says. And uh, the, the the proof that the president is kind of out of it on this one is the fact that everybody else is having the same problem. If it was just beef, you could say there's a problem. But it's not just beef. It's everybody. And because it's everybody, it is suggests that the president is speaking out of turn on this and doesn't quite understand what he's talking about. And it's a complicated subject, and the man is 80 years old, so I kind of get that. But for him to kind of try to find a bad guy here, and that's what he's doing is he's trying to find a bad guy here, it doesn't really work that well. Everybody wants a bad guy in politics. Sometimes you're the bad guy and you don't realize it. And you got to try to convince people that someone else is the bad guy. And I don't know that Joe Biden can do that at this point. But, man, they're going to try. In fact, he's going to address the nation here in a few minutes. And if it happens, and, you know, they're always late at the White House. They're always late at the White House. So if it happens, when it happens, assuming it's going to happen during the show, I'm going to pull up the feed so we can listen to the president when he speaks. But when we come back in the run up to that, it's January 4th. You know what that means? They're already in hysterics about January 6th. I got some audio from the MSNBC conversation on this. Do you notice how CNN never obsesses over MSNBC? It's always about Fox. Why do you think that is? Should be pretty obvious at this point. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. 
Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 